Well, here we are. It's the 28th of December. I'm still at home and uh, I'm up in my man cave, which is uh, my converted loft space. And I have to say that the storm is raging around me at the moment. So if uh, our listeners hear any odd sounds, it's probably the wind howling around the roof. And I have to admit there is at least one loose slate. So if you hear a clunking sound, that'll be my roof taking a pounding from the from the gale that's going on that's the situation what's the important thing the important thing is that i am joined today by moira dundee and uh uk column viewers and listeners should remember that name because um back in march 2023 i interviewed moira all about her efforts during lockdown to get out and really challenge the system and also educate people as to what was going on. So Moira, thank you very much for joining me today. I know you're a busy lady and you've also got guests, so we'll grab your time. Thanks for joining me. Good morning, Brian. Hello, viewers. <laughs> yeah, well, listeners, it's going to be on this one because one one of the things that we we've learned over time with the UK column is that although, of course, all of us have got used to stuff with video. There are many people that enjoy audio because they can they can be listening to it while they're cycling or walking or driving the car. So it's a it's a medium not to be not to be neglected. Now, Moira, there's lots of stuff to talk about, but the subject of this little series of interviews is gutsy women. And uh, for me, I easily put you in this category because. I know that it took you a lot of courage to stand up, get out publicly on the streets during lockdown to challenge the system. And uh, for anybody who doesn't know, or can't quite remember what you did, just give us a little bit about your skipping on the streets during lockdown. What did you do and why did you do it? Well, before we um, go on um, boasting about me, <laughs> um, I realised at the time that there wouldn't be many people in my position who could speak out freely because I didn't have children to be picked on at school. I didn't have, I wasn't working for the NHS or government. I didn't have a job to lose, um, you know, self-employed. And um, I mean, I, I, my income has taken a hit. But, you know, nothing like, I think everyone's done what they can based on their circumstances. You know, that's um, that's what we've done. So I, I felt I was in a position to speak out and I had to do it. And the first thing I bought was um, the two little loud hailers and looked at them. <laughs> I've got a good photograph Eric took of me looking at them because I didn't know what to do with them. But then I decided um, if I couldn't pre protest with other people, because that was at a time where we had to, we were under um, you know bail conditions to leave the house. They said um, we could only leave the house for exercise or you know to go shopping, essential essential shopping. And um, so if I couldn't protest with other people, I would have to protest alone. So that's why I did my skipping protest and I, I put my camera on tripod and filmed myself. And I was lucky it wasn't windy that it didn't fall over. And I had to skip, you know, to show that I was doing exercise. <laughs> so it's absolutely bonkers, isn't it? You know, you have to do that to be outside, to speak out safely. 
And even then, I thought I could get a knock on the door from the police, uh, but I didn't. I just got a lot of abuse um, underneath the YouTube video. Before, now I know from the 77 Brigade, the British Army. Well, it could, could well be, but you, you've said it there because a lot of people, the majority of people, just accepted what was thrown at them with lockdown. I know people... Um, locally, I know people, some people within the wider family who were actually quite scared in that period and the idea of going out when they'd been told that they mustn't go out and they wondered whether the police were going to come knocking on their door. So mm. you as a woman decided you were going to get out and, and have a protest and talk to people and you've already now indicated to us that that cost you something. So... You were pretty. You were pretty brave to do this, even though you might not think of yourself as brave. Yes, well, you were really um, ostracised from society. Um, you know, well, just locally, or even even I saw somebody had written a comment from the badminton club I was in, saying that nutter. You know, writing a comment saying what a nutter I was. I used to play badminton with her, and um, so. Um, I tried to put a comment. I joined the group so I could put a comment back, and I got um, I was um, I was banned immediately. <laughs> I mean, I didn't I didn't swear or anything. I wrote a polite reply, and I was just like um, banned immediately from the badminton um, whatever it was blog. <laughs> and um, so it's been very hard. I haven't gone back to sports clubs because when you've had that sort of nastiness. Um, you know, targeted at you. It's not easy to show your face again. Now they, you know, think it's all over. <laughs> yeah, this this is true. I mean, I smile on this subject because I many years ago when I started speaking out, obviously on other things, we hadn't had the COVID um, situation then, but um, a lot of people I knew um, pulled away from me. So within my local community, I was ostracised. And um, yeah, it's quite it's quite hard to take. I always add to that that I lost people who I thought were old, trusted, reliable friends, and I'm pleased to say I met new people who ultimately I've come to realise are much better friends because when the chips are down, you can actually trust the new friends I have, whereas the old ones walked away. But, but I've also had lots of new MI five agent, police informers, undercover police, um, friends. <laughs> so I've been through the whole gambit um, and I've absolutely woken up to how the world works. Uh, it's basically a criminal gang, but the police informers are the most dangerous because they're not wearing their uniform. So you know not to tell someone who's wearing a uniform things, don't you? But um, so, I mean, I read an article saying after Police Scotland was formed, they had recruited 800 police informers. It'll be thousand eight thousand now, so they're they're amongst they're among us doing any jobs, doing what they like, and uh, but they'll get money for information. And um, sadly, the protests are full of them. Yes, well, th this is absolutely correct because um, many occasions we can see the police uh, trying to encourage people to tell on each other. And uh, a little while ago, I was was talking about the Stasi state in East Germany. And, of course, um, that was a terrible period for, for Germans living in, in Germany under that regime. But many people 
in the Western countries don't really realize how the system worked, but it worked by the fact that they created this huge network of people who would spy for the state. So you mm. had the situation where family members were reporting other family members to the Stasi. Yes. And this is this is really unpleasant. And and I agree it's certainly a system that's now been created in this country, whether we can look back and people were informing on who was breaking the lockdown rules. Yes. Or we've got the situation where they use primary school children to report on drivers who are speeding. You see primary school children at the roadside with police and then the children are speaking to the drivers they pull over. I found that particularly horrible. Um, there was an article in the paper, I think it was March this year, at NHS bosses admit that they gave a, a list to private detectives to follow on social media. It was the relatives of patients who died in a hospital in, in Glasgow. I think it was from um, poisoning. The water was poisonous. And that's just all, nothing happened, just all blows over. But if you give a list to a private detective, I mean, if somebody's called Fiona Brown, you've got to know which Fiona Brown, don't you? Where they live rough you know rough age what they look like so this is really sinister and they're not i don't think and they're not just following what they're writing on social media that well they're reporting back but they're also i think spying on them i believe i mean i've only got partial evidence but i believe i was spied upon on behalf of the nhs and um and information fed back i mean i think at one point all my friends i was working with i believe were working for the state in some form or other and i just woke up a few months ago to the horror of it I was falling out with people every second day. So it was quite um, an interesting time. And, uh, but, you know, I think I've, sh I've shred um, all, all these, uh, you know, bad, bad people from my life now. But uh, another one, he was trying to, maybe on seven occasions, I've got the evidence, I took the screenshots, trying to get me to, goad me to commit a crime myself. He said, oh, we should capitalise. Some people are prepared to go to prison. This is something we should capitalise on. Mm -hmm. But yeah, suggesting. I mean, the least the least um, criminal was. Oh, I'd like to film you um, and such and such um, throwing eggs at the politicians. Now, if I did that, it would be assault. So they're they're goading you to commit crimes, demoralising, also trying to get you to uh, divert your attention, maybe to things you shouldn't be working on. A waste. They're a bit of a waste of time. So it's very difficult to know what you should be working on. I mean, I've been led astray terribly, but I'm back now. I'm back. <laughs> no, well, that's good. And you're back and you're still laughing. I'm alive and I'm alive. Oh, yeah. Moira, just let, let me just ask you one little thing. It's, it's, again, it's a bit of a reminder because we talked about it back in March. But you also had a particularly unpleasant approach by... Uh, a lady from a local paper, a journalist who got in touch with you, who I think in the beginning you thought was going to do something productive. Just remind us what happened with with those journalists. Yeah, well, I didn't explain that very well when I was interviewed, I remember. <laughs> what, what she did was um, she said that there was a protest when there wasn't. You know, I repeated twice, there are three times to her on, on the phone that there was no protest. All we did was hand out leaflets, you know, and that's, you know, that was my first leaflet. If you're on audio, the leaflet <laughs> says, say pants to muzzles and a picture of me with a pair of pants on top of my head. And um, 
I went down Dundee High Street giving out those. Now, so I, I on the phone I said to her, all we do is hand out leaflets. And three times I said, it's not a protest. I'm not organising a protest. Three different times got a witness to heard that. And um, then the first line she wrote an article, a protest has been organised. A protest is, is being held next Saturday in Dundee City Square. Organiser, you know, um, Moira, such and such. So then they sent the photographer to take a picture of three people in the square, you see, um, to show nobody had turned up, you see, to protest that it was not, it was <laughs> never advertised or organised. So that's, and then, um, so I found the photographer in the shadows the next week. I thought, is she going to be that dirty? But she was. And I found the photographer in the shadows and I didn't have my pink sweatshirt on. I just put on an um, accent and I said, you know, um, you know, what's happening? You know, and, and he said, uh, he said, oh, it's a protest against the masks. And I said, oh, that was cancelled. And he went away. But then they were going to do the follow up article to shame me. But I wrote her an email and I said, I've got a witness that heard me saying that three times and they didn't and they didn't print it. I was going to ask you that question. Did they actually uh, did they actually print anything on you? But they backed away when you challenged them. Well, they printed the first article saying there was a protest. You know, I'd organised a protest for the following Saturday, and um, you know, making out I'm a Nazi. You know, um, whatever that is now. <laughs> I mean, it's just got a new meaning, hasn't it? Like a lovely person or a lovely man or woman um, is the 2003. Uh, definition but anyway um so she'd written an article but they were going to do a follow-up article shaming me making out that everyone in dundee is for the mask wearing so it was a big setup to make a fool of me and to show compliance for our audience we've just reconvened we had huge problems on uh, zoom because the uh, connection kept freezing so we've switched to a recorded phone call so let's see how this goes how the relationship between people had changed and we'd, we'd briefly sort of mentioned the Stasi-type state. So just yeah. recap on who's been in well, contact with you. Well, he... Um, well, I'd rather not say who, you know, until it's, it's all, you know, the book's written. <laughs> but um, he's doing research into the Stasi-type techniques that have been used on us um, since 20, March 2020 in Britain. Um, he experienced them straight off in England and I've been involved from the outset in, in Scotland so he, he just finished reading the book about the miner strike uh, which I have it was written by Seamus Milne The Enemy Within and it's all about the dirty tactics of the state which they're all the same being used now and I think they pretty much <laughs> uh, considered to be the case that Arthur Scargill's right hand man was undercover MI5 an MI5 agent yes so he's very interested in that and he's going to be but he's an academic so he's going to be um, researching it properly and he'll know what you can and can't say which I would just get myself into trouble if I tried to um, write a book like that so uh, but yes it's been a lot of dirty tactics and um demoralising, dividing people and then they cause as much trouble as they can to divide people and then they go on videos saying, oh, we need to unite, we need to unite. <laughs> yes, they tell, they, they tell us the exact opposite or what they say is the exact opposite of what they mean. That's the conclusion I've come to. It, it helps you understand right. a lot of things. If you think, 
what are these people actually saying? And then you think to yourself, okay, what is the opposite to what they're saying? And then often it's the opposite that makes sense. Well, that's what they did at the plinth when they stood at the plinth. We're not going to do this. And then we thought, oh, no, they're going to do it. (laughs) And they always did it. Uh Yeah. Yeah. We're not going to do this. So the whole thing's been creep, 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 creep. And and I think, actually, this is the worst situation we're in, is right in this moment in history, because people think it's over, and it's absolutely not. Yes. There's nothing being sorted out at all. And, and these farces of inquiries, I mean, it's almost twisted. They just want people to, you know, to go over the trauma again and again about how their uh, relatives were um, tortured and murdered, basically. And nothing happens, nothing changes. You know, it's quite extraordinary. But this is the big news I've got in Scotland, Brian, that the Declaration of Dumfries have been in touch with me. And their intention is to carry out a people's inquiry in Scotland. OK, this sounds interesting. Yeah. Yes, because they're so um, we're so disgruntled that um, the form the the one they've done has taken it will take the form of a grand jury proceedings to determine whether there is sufficient evidence to put the perpetrators on trial. And I think it would be held possibly over a weekend somewhere in Scotland, and um, all the evidence looked at. Because the, the, the inquiries, they're never looking at the, the crux of the matter, which was the beginning, when the fraud was committed right at the beginning. The medical fraud. Yes. That's what they don't cover. And, you know, all this discussion about whether the virus existed, exists or not, whatever, what's relevant to us is the, Scots, the, the Scottish government or the UK government, they hold no evidence that exists. So that's what's crucial. You know, if there's no evidence, there should be, you know, everything they did after that is criminal. The passing of the emergency legislation was criminal, in my opinion, looking at the evidence. (laughs) Moira, when when you're using this sort of language and it's it's to me, it's the right language to use. We're dealing with criminal activity. Yeah. When when you look back and you think back to Moira pre-COVID days, do you find it? strange that you're now describing uh, official activity as criminal have have you changed or were you always well, this perceptive yeah i've completely changed i've completely changed and now understand it's a criminal mafia running the world and they've got their little criminal gangs in each country and then the police informers are you know another little criminal gang protecting the medium criminal gang protecting the big criminal gang, you know, yeah. and it's just, and we pay for it all. We pay for it all in, in taxation. So the the whole of the COVID, COVID and lockdown, this this was a major change in your life. I mean, you you got out there to do what you did in mm-hmm. in your protest. You got attacked for it. Um, you lost a lot of friends. But something else was was happening. You were on a a big learning journey as to, as to what what the world was around you. That's right. And anything to do with uh, how many people died or whatever, you know, and how, whether something existed or not, I will never accept that any politician puts bail conditions on my life. You know, I will never accept that. And that was to me, it's just a red flag. These people have no right to be doing this 
you know, I didn't care what the situation was. There will never be a situation where I will consent to having conditions put on my life. Yes. You know, and, and I couldn't understand why people, you know, they, they, they will accept being caged in under certain um, circumstances. Yeah. I mean, if every second person in the street was dropping dead, I still wouldn't consent to it. Yes. <laughs> Let's just see who survives, you know, because, I mean, I find that quite disturbing how people, a lot of people just don't want to be free, do they? Well, this this is where we, we drift back to, to, to what we were just talking about, that people seem to, seems to me that people, some people at least, have lost the ability to think in, in a cognitive, coherent way. They, they look out at the world, they see things and they hear things, but they don't seem to understand what it means anymore. I, no. I, I feel this more and more when I'm, you know, amongst a an average group of people and mm-hmm. there's a there's conversation going on and they'll talk about their families or holidays or things but they yeah. don't talk about anything which is of importance it's like no. it doesn't exist so vacuous yes uh-huh yeah, but that- i've also I've, I've discovered the wonderful things as well you know i mean we don't need to be worrying about you know, catching HIV. You know, there's all these, all the lies that have been exposed to me. Um, I mean, the whole contagion one is is the biggest. But when people, I mean, it's just presumed that people are contagious. And every study in history that's that's done um, controlled experiments, a sick man cannot make a well man sick. You know, and it's, it's been proved over and over and over again. So it's actually great news that we don't need to be frightened of anybody, no matter how well they are, because we're not contagious. It's never been proved that we're contagious. So wearing bee costumes and everything and claiming someone's got Ebola, it's all a load of rubbish. Um, I think Kevin Corbett has told me that as well, Dr. Kevin Corbett. There was a study done in 1996, and it was over 10 years. Maybe it was published in 96, but it was over 10 years following couples. One was positive, another negative with HIV. And the negative one never changed to being positive in 10 years, you know, of having unprotected sexual intercourse. So, I mean, how does that happen you know i mean is the test is the testing that's the pure scam because people presume that if they test positive then they've caught something from someone else but they maybe would have they would have tested positive whether they've never had sex in their life do you know what i mean yeah it's just such a scam the test so if people just avoid tests it's just great they can um you know they don't have anything to worry about so um yeah that's what i was looking at one of my leaflets um that stella had helped me with she was the former biology teacher who i was arrested with uh, when we were running the suitcase library and she said all all that she had taught in school she's now knows is was just garb is was a lie and what? so she helped, helped me with this leaflet and there was quite a good sentence if i can read it to you about viruses i said you know, like storms, they are given names and virologist scammers create an image using computer software which resembles a crocheted ball to convince people they are real. <laughs> and, um, you know, so but I think, I believe the whole vaccination program from start to finish is a eugenics program. And the, the folk in the know never, ever, ever take one and their children don't take one, ever. Yeah, Moira, while you're talking, I'm smiling because you've got an in- 
there's a little bit of a, a pun here, a dark pun. You got such an infectious laugh. <laughs> and um, we've had a bit of fun trying to set this this interview up and, and uh, you've been laughing a lot. This is something which I think is incredibly powerful. You've been through all the stuff that you've been through. Well, I've mentioned some, some of it there, but you, you got out to protest and that takes huge courage to do because you're breaking the norm. And then you lost friends. You had the press chasing you. Um, you, you were arrested with mm-hmm. all the all of that 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 entails, and yet you're still able to t- talk through the the story of this little bit of your life, and you're laughing at the same time. This is this is wonderful. Well, it's also cre- incredibly interesting, isn't it? You know, the, the the last four nearly four years have been filled with horror, but also comedy as well. Yeah, I mean, it's just all it's it's all so mad. And um, we're living in two different realities now, aren't we? The believers and the people who, you know, who've uh, finally woken up and seen through it. Uh, but uh, about my arrest, all that, you know, worry just ended for me about two weeks ago, because at the time I was charged, well, was, you know, caged in the back of the police van, taken to the police station, held in a cell for about six hours. And when I was released, I was charged with culpable and reckless conduct which it says if you look up um, maximum sentence life imprisonment. Now, on in March 2021, the case was not called, right, which is an unusual, you know, it's unusual. I mean, it, it, it wasn't dropped. It was not called. And this, my solicitor explained that that meant that the, car, the charge still stood against me. So um, I have been concerned about this for two and a half years and thinking if something else happened or could I get into America, you know, or applying for a job, it would come up in a criminal check um, if it's outstanding. I didn't know where I stood. I mean, am I supposed to be am I supposed to be um, appealing or whatever? You know, I, I didn't know. And I eventually wrote, I sent a subject access request to my solicitor and he just blanked that, got nothing, no uh, data, nothing back. And I was hoping for what was he'd been sent by the court. I got nothing back there and um, eventually did a subject access request to the Scottish Courts and Tribunal Service. And I discovered a decision was made in, in June 2021 um, and he never told me. He never, he never, he never passed it on to me, and it was from the procurator fiscal saying that no uh, further action would be taken against me. Well, that's that's very interesting. I'm not surprised at the level of deceit because uh, deceit by the the legal and the court system, uh, mm-hmm. because this has been seen in in many other cases. But nevertheless, it's it's very interesting that they were so frightened of. Moira Dundee, the lady who protested by skipping, <laughs> skipping yes. in public, that uh, uh, when they finally dropped that charge, you weren't told about it. It's inc- I wasn't told about it, yeah. And also on the court records, it says um, when it was not called, it said reason, it was no evidence. Wow. No evidence. So why wasn't it dropped? Why did so? It was obviously a plan to keep me living in fear. Yes, that, that's what I believe. That's what I believe. Yeah. So that's um, yeah. So that's the big news, Brian. Um, it's just ended recently, and it's all it's it's been very time consuming trying to find out what actually happened to me. 
Um, I mean, I, I paid uh, my solicitor um, a lot of money and to withhold information from me. You know, well, I mean, if I'd represented myself, I would have got the information sent to me. Again, I, I've got to say to you, Moira, that it, it's a sad thing, really, because, you know, we could point a finger at all professions. And yes, at various points, professional people fail or do the wrong thing will get mm-hmm. sat on. But it has to be said that it seems to me that the legal profession are just totally owned by the system. I usually hear yes. about their failings through people who've been through the family court system and and people yeah. who initially take on a solicitor and maybe later a barrister in order to fight their family court case eventually mm-hmm. say, I realised they were betraying me. They would say one thing to my face, yes, we're going to do this in court. And then when right. they got in court, they would say something <laughs> completely different. Yeah, um, I've seen that myself. Yeah. yeah. Now, that brings us on to another um, topic, which is related. Well, well, hang on a minute. (laughs) Hang on a minute. (laughs) Let let me just do this, uh, Moira, because I I normally have been asking the women that I've been, the gutsy women that I've been talking to a bit later in in the discussion, what they would say to other women. But you've just described um, some pretty nasty stuff because, you know, you were you were arrested and then you were worried about what was going to happen to you. And I think this is a good time to do it. You've been all through this. You were originally an ordinary mum, if I'm allowed to say that. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. um, I'm not a mother. You're not. Um, No, uh, no. I just have lots of um, nieces and nephews that are spoil rotten. (laughs) Okay. Right. Let let me Um, rephrase that. You, you, (laughs) you were, uh, and I, I, mean nobody, this, <laughs> I mean this in the nicest way. You're an ordinary woman yeah. um, getting on with your life and then uh, you realised something was wrong. You went out and you did something about it publicly and you suffered all this and yeah, you are still fighting and you're still yeah. laughing. The what, other what, thing do you, I, what do you say to other women out there? How, how, what do you say well, to other women... Um, what would you say to get them to stand up and be counted? Well, the, the same as I say to everyone, you know, just do what you can personally and every little helps revealing the lies. So, um, you know, it could be somebody within, still within the NHS, you know, who's doing, you know, doing what they can, you know, to nudge people in the right direction, not the wrong direction, things like that. But, but uh, my arrest, uh, um, to go back to that, I mean, I actually believe now that it was all planned. My arrest was planned weeks in advance because I announced on the, I think it was the 2nd of January, I went out in the street with my suitcase library. And I think it was then, it was after that, you see, the, the, they had, I think they had their high-level meeting. and Because they knew where I was going to be. They knew where I was going to be every Saturday from 12 to 1.30. And they, they set a trap um, to arrest me. That's what I yeah. believe. And they, they, they planned a job at Police Scotland Angels for me. They did a, uh, this is what I believe now, all the evidence suggests. They did a skills check, website design, uh, filming, editing, um, design work, you know, um, all, all my skills. And they created a job for me. 
Um, and then they arrested two women in Edinburgh, and uh, the trap was set, and then they arrested me the next week. She enters my life via Facebook Messenger, and the rest of the says history, and I was tricked into doing um, actually two years, um, free la- providing two years free labour. And, um, and now I learn I was basically, basically um, I believe I was in a roundabout way working for the police. Yeah. Because people trusted me. They then came, this woman was help, um, claiming to help us get compensation from the police to get some justice. That's never transpired. Uh, but she's friends with conflicts of interest. And she's friends with that solicitor. So basically she's ambulance chasing for him. Yeah. And um, but the whole thing's very nasty, and um, I've just got out of it recently. And at the point that I did, you know, asked for a bit of financial transparency about donations and things. She started going to the police and making up false allegations against me. Um, I received something in the post um, taking me to a, a simple procedure, trying to get me to uh, pay for a website they'd commissioned, um, and trying to blackmail me for a substantial amount of money. Or they would take me to court for, or they'd um, put this initial written to court. I didn't pay anything because um, everything I said was true. All my claims are true. And nothing, that was about two months ago, nothing's come of that yet. So it's been real, real nasty stuff. I mean, this is people who say they're against the, the police and the courts. Yeah. And then when, when, the, when you ask for a bit of financial transparency, when you wake up to what's really going on, that's when you get hit. That's when you get hit. Absolutely. I want to ask you, the, the first thing is to ask you for what, what, what you would say to women to get them to stand up and be brave and do... Well, no, I don't yeah, know. You, you answered that. <laughs> you gave an well, answer. Well, I don't know. Well, you see, I don't know because, I mean, I, I think if you stand up against the state, this is what happens to you. You know, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be in the lines then. Yeah. You know, it's... Um, it's, um, and then you know if you're if they're putting that amount of resources on you, you know, then you know that they're um, you've got all these people in your life spying on you and using you and um, controlling you and whatever. You realise well, there's there's there. I'm obviously over the target, am not I? I'm obviously saying the right things. Well, <laughs> you know, my book. I mean, I look at my book now, and apart from wanting to change a few sent- odd sentences, it was all correct. Yes, and that, that's, then I published it in December 2020. That, that's your book, Questioning Lockdown. Yeah. Yes. Um, they can also go, it's questioninglockdown.com, and they can still go to the Listen tab and listen to the whole book for free, still. Yes. On Amazon, it is on Amazon now, after you know, they let me on again. It's un- been unbanned, and it's on there in, in, in a nice hardback with a different cover, and there's a wee bit at the end about the censorship and what happened to me, you know, just trying to lend it in the street at the height of the, the tyranny. Uh, but unfortunately, nothing's nothing's uh, been sorted. Nothing's over. I mean, it's, they've just passed. They've made the, the legislation permanent in Scotland, the Coronavirus Recovery and Reform Act 2022. Gives the government, like, Guantanamo Bay powers the detention camp in, in Cuba, and also that, you'll know about it, that covert um, intelligence sources, you know, that there's that horrific legislation in the past, the UK government in 2020, that allows them to, um, their agents to commit crimes yes, against yes. us, and including murder, rape and torture. 
Yes, Mike Robinson, of course, was talking a lot about that and pointing out the the incredible state that here we are in UK in 2020 and on, where the government calmly Uh says we're allowed to break the law as long as it's in your best interests. <laughs> yes, that's right. And but don't worry. Yeah, so um, it's only if you're if you're an anti-vaxxer that you'll be on the hit list. You know, because they say they say we're a threat to national health security. Yeah. So NHS is basically the police now. Um, you know, it's, it's everyone's just surveil- it's just surveillance, and the NHS just think of them as just another police force. Um, and that's Fiona McQueen. Um, she was a chief nursing officer for the Scottish Government. Um, she's now choosing top cops, uh, sitting on the selection ca- uh, panel for top cops in Scotland. She now sits on the board of the Scottish Police Authority. So public health are now choosing police. Three sat on the panel for the deputy, who's Jane Connors, came from the Met office. Three sat on the selection panel. One, the former chief, chief nursing officer for the Scottish Government, Fiona McQueen. Second one was the CEO of um, Public Health Scotland, Angela Leach. And the third one was um, Ian Livingston, the chief of police. So two out of three were public health. Um, so they've chosen the right woman who will, um, who will pervert the course of justice up here, just like she did at the Met. Yes. So it's really, um, you know, (laughs) people think it's all over. It's just, um, I mean, I just don't know where they're coming from. But yes, I think that's the most dangerous time. um, They could strike any any day. And all the government has is a verbal claim from the WHO that there is a public health crisis. Yes. That's all they have. Uh, Moira, you've just recognised that when people stand up against the state, you can expect you can expect something to come back at you. I mean, I I have experienced this in my lifetime from what Mm -hmm. I've done. You've learnt this. Are you a braver woman now as a result of your experience? Well, a wiser one. I mean, I I suppose I I, I took people at face value. I can't do that now. I cannot do that now. And check them out. Check them out. What's their background? Have they been done for a crime in the past? I mean, you know, try and try and find out what you can about people before you do any work for them. I mean, there's been all these grifters. I mean, we see it. I remember the millionaire Simon Dolan, his his uh, court case um, at the beginning. Do you remember that? Yes, vaguely. And yes, uh, and giving some money towards that, and everyone just for four years, all these people just wanting money. And nothing's happened, apart from you've just lost your money. <laughs> I mean, even sadly, I mean, Reiner Foolish is in jail now. I mean, we don't know, you know, what's true and what's not. But, I mean, it's just all these people who were coming to be our saviours. There's actually nothing happened. I'm going to disagree with that a little bit because, uh-huh. because I think that I think that a lot more people are... You know, having having said earlier on in this chat that, that there are people who still can't think properly, I, uh-huh. I do actually believe there are also a lot of people who've started to think and they realise that something's wrong. So I, I think that the effort by many people, Reiner Formick is one of them, that what he did did inform a lot of people. But if, uh-huh. if you say, yeah, but what did it achieve? Well... If, if we were hoping that within the state system uh-huh. there would be reflection on his evidence, 
and his efforts and then we will be getting the bad guys appearing in court. Of course, that hasn't happened because the state simply protects itself and carries on regardless. Mm -hmm. But Uh, it went on and on and on, didn't it? You know, I mean, they sort of figured it out. Could have figured it out in a couple of weeks. I mean, um, I think with um, your declaration of Dumfries, you know, the People's Inquiry to determine whether there's um, enough evidence to put the perpetrators on trial would be over a you know weekend. Yes. Because all the evidence is out there now, and somebody um, has taken uh, painstakingly taken all the clips um, all from the Scottish COVID nineteen inquiry of uh, people, the families giving testimony where they think criminality has been sh- uh, shown to have happened. I mean, there was a very impressive young woman who'd um, g- managed to get her uh, brother's medical records. And I think she said her testimony is um, there was a signature on the do not resuscitate form and it wasn't hers. Well, I think, I mean, that's criminal right there and then. But I mean, the police just nothing happens. These things are just said and then just move on. Um, But he's kept all the clips. He's kept all the clips. He was uploading them to YouTube and the channel was actually taken down. And all he was doing, he wasn't even commenting, he was just putting up clips that are in the public domain. So, Moira, Mo- uh, you've, um, uh, you've had, just remind me, the, the lady school teacher that was helping you. What was her name? Uh, Stella. Stella, that's right, yeah. You had St- Stella helping you. Have, have you had any other people who've come forward to give you help in what you're doing? Well, well loads of people. I mean, I'm in contact with people all over Scotland. I mean, because they did trust me, um, um, yeah, people have always sent me information. And um, so, yes, I mean, my book, everything, I couldn't put it together without help. And I'm still in contact with um, Kevin Corbett because I met him at a protest in Glasgow. So right. he's been great, and um, he's been great at. Um, I mean, he—that uh, was one uh, wonderful thing we did. We went round all the schools in Dundee. Stella went in beautifully dressed and handed in information to all the officers. You know about the mask. Anyway, Kevin helped me with the script for that. You know, teachers should be reminded that if children to which they have a duty of care suffer any oxygen deprivation or worse following teacher enforcing enforced masking, then they will be held legally liable for any subsequent untoward effects. Yes. As a direct or indirect result of those teaching actions, but anyway, you know, I'm just saying, I remember he was dictating that to me. I think he was sitting on a beach somewhere dictating that to me before I went out. And um, so I'm sort of an ideas person, and I'm good at the visuals, and maybe explaining to people simply things. But um, it's uh, you know, it's, it's other folk who've given me terrific um, information. Yeah, so this is a very positive thing, isn't it, that's that's uh-huh. come out. If you hadn't have gone out there skipping, you would never have, well, you wouldn't have experienced what you've experienced, but you also wouldn't have come into contact with so many people. This is a good thing, isn't it? Well, that's right. I mean, I think I've got just over 500 followers on my YouTube channel. But, yes, at the time, a lot of people said they saw that skipping video and it gave them hope. Because they were think they were concerned, worried if they were going mad themselves. Because they were thinking, this isn't right. Yeah, this isn't right. And when we saw someone saying, no, this is wrong, you know, um, because that's it. I mean, it is. Um, I mean, it, I never thought I'd live to see the day where actually, yeah, it's, it is like saying two plus four, uh, two plus two equals four is difficult. 
You uh, were keen to tell me something about what you've been doing on the subject of resources. And I'll just share with the with the audience that we've got today. Um, A few days ago, you kindly sent me a little video clip where you were singing a a song at home and your husband was playing the guitar. Yes. Um, that that was wonderful. So we we're going to use some of that that music, but well, also you've you've done a number of video clips. What what else have you produced then to help people? There's your book. You've been producing videos. What else? Yes. Well, um, I don't I don't know, but I think song is powerful because I mean I wrote those words. I mean, that's what I came up with first, was the words and thinking that anyone could put whatever tyrannical country they live in, they could sing the same um, words. Because the problem is the government and judiciary uh, the world over. Um, so um, I'm also working with new people. Um, it's called Steps to Justice, but different people who um, had problematic <laughs> things happening with them in relation to the police and judiciary. Um, but, oh, yeah, so we, we went, we actually did a protest um, a couple of weeks, was it the 21st of December and in Edinburgh, and we're supporting John Halley. You know who John Halley is, don't you? I, I'm going to have to say no because I can't directly remember. Well, he, he, I think he, he perhaps spoke when you had a conference with the, a meeting with the uh, Fernethy women. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. But he's written a very, very um, important book that's come out of Scotland. It's just been published a few months ago called uh, He's he is a Advocate and Part-Time Sheriff. And the book is called A Judicial Monstering and um, how they've uh, destroyed him uh, because they wanted him off the uh, Scottish Child Abuse Inquiry. And, you know, the... The chair, Lady Smith, anyway, he's calling for a resignation of the chair, Lady Smith, and so are we. And uh, it was also to bury evidence that he's presented of uh, child prostitution trafficking in children's homes in Scotland linked to lawyers and judges, past and present. And he's, I mean, he's um, a very brave man. And he, he even tried to take the woman to an employment tribunal. He can't win anything now. This is a guy who was really brilliant before and, you know, knew the law inside out. Now he can't win anything now he's they've decided to attack him and he he was um he was on the front page of every newspaper in the world you know but he's 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 actually done done nothing this was the man that was was on stage um at the fenethi conference um yes i think so um i mean i wasn't there but he's he's on twitter he's i think advocate um halley um, he's one to watch anyway. He's, I mean, that's really important because what I realise is no matter the topic, it's all coming down to the same thing, that we don't have a functioning um, judiciary. I mean, he says we're run by the rule of lawyers, not the rule of law. They'll pick what they want the result to be and then look back and find a little point to win on and just do what they like. And um, so... In Scotland, it's really bad. This um, the Lord Advocate the, is, has a dual hat on. Um, it's a woman called Dorothy Bain. She sits on the Scottish Cabinet, a, a, a Scottish Government. She sits in the Cabinet. She represents the, the Scottish Government, and then she also um, is head of prosecutions. So she, she's supposed to work for us and the government. 
you know, which always sides with the government, obviously. So she won't allow a uh, investigation. She won't. We've sent all the information, all the evidence to the police about all the COVID crimes, mountains of it, and they're refusing to investigate. Well, she won't make them. She's the only person who can order a prosecution. Uh, sorry, an investigation. She's the only one that can order an investigation for the police to investigate, and she won't do it because she represents the government. So we're, we're living in an absolute uh, banana republic in Scotland. It's absolutely dire. And uh, John's book just highlights that. Um, and he says the whole thing needs restructured. Whole thing is just an absolute abomination. Um, just a few, a few corrupt people running Scotland. Mm-hmm. Yes, I for for me, obviously, I'm south of the border, so I, I only get mm-hmm. a look into Scotland uh, as a country. But the thing I did pay attention to many years ago when was when the um, the police. Uh, districts, for want of a better word, were scrapped and they were replaced by one single police body for the whole of Scotland. I always Mm -hmm. thought that was unbelievably dangerous because it just meant that if there was a problem inside Scotland's police, who who could you go to? Um, Oh, yeah. It's really bad. It's so bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And the chief and the and the and the deputy in charge of criminality, she's um, they've both been shipped in from England. I mean, so they won't even know anything about Scots law. But uh, yeah, so they just go from the Met to Police Scotland, from Police Scotland back to the Met, you know. And you just need two corrupt folk at the top. Yes. To actually, you know. But yes, it was. Uh, I meet retired police. Uh, constables all the time and they're as concerned as I am and um, and they say all the rot set in when, when Police Scotland was created so they have to get back to the divisions the other thing is within the police force there can be terrible bullying or you know or somebody who whistleblows within the police but they've got a wife or um, they've got a relative further up when it's a one force they can just destroy that person Whereas if it's at least across different forces, it's not as easy. Yes, which is probably yeah. why they got rid of the forces, <laughs> the, separate, yeah. the se- separate ones, because with one police force, you can control everybody inside the pyramid. That's right. And I read that the average time that people are lasting now within the uh, Police Scotland is three years. So I think that tells you how bad it is. Uh, because they used to last 30 years. They used to do the job for 30 years. Now people are leaving within three years. And there's no jobs. In, you know, the employment situation is dire in Scotland, So, but they're still leaving. So it must be really bad. Yes, I believe that this is orchestrated breakdown of the fabric of society if you can't trust the police, if you can't trust the courts, if you can't yeah. trust the NHS. This is all breakdown at a very fundamental level. And I I do not believe that this is accidental, because if you look across these various bodies, you've seen the same pattern of breakdown emerging. And that says to me that it's it's calculated. People have planned this and then it's orchestrated in the way it's carried out. Yes, and I think I'd uh, maybe been led astray thinking that the police, as I say, are all the enemy when I realised it's these police informers, um, you know, are much worse. And um, and there are good people in the police, you know, who are who are concerned. And I, I met somebody's mother the other day. She said her, her son's in the police and he, he, he refused to wear a mask to, or to take part in any of it. And he was, for, you know, made to work from home. But uh, anyway, 
there's, I mean, they're not all monsters, but I think I've got led astray a bit on that one, thinking that they are the big enemy, where it's not. It's, um, you know, a few at the top. Moira, yeah, just pu- push you a little bit about the okay. resources and things. Um, I, I actually, right. earlier this morning, I had a look at three little video clips that you produced. There, mm-hmm. there was a Merry Christmas, everyone, which was, I think that was from last Christmas, but still pertinent. Yes. You had one that was Carol singing the 12... Yeah, the first year we did it was 12 years of COVID, and then last yeah. year, 12 years of COVID. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so, but I think whatever you're doing, you've got to try to build, bring a bit of creativity and a bit of um, fun when you can to things. But, yeah, in the beginning, it was all about giving, letting people know their rights. You know, I mean, I, I had a little um, how to be... Because uh, people didn't know how to get a card from the NHS, I'm exempt from wearing a face covering, and I'd give out little tags, you know, so people knew what website to go to um, to get these things. But we've kind of moved on. We're, we're not in that phase now. So I mean, all I mean, I, I myself think unless this is brought down somehow, the police. I don't know how it's going to happen, but lower down some of these police they, they go to my website they do they, they go to the evidence that i've presented or the they wait until we've done this people's inquiry and then they see the evidence and they go and arrest key people yeah. and they jail them because nobody's come to save their families either yeah something has to break something has to you know and people have to risk their jobs they have to risk their life you know or them being incarcerated because without bravery this isn't going to end well, now you've mentioned it, haven't you? The bravery bit, because this is this is where we started with you as a gutsy woman, and look at what look at what you've really achieved, uh, Moira. From you know, from that first day when I can imagine, with some trepidation, you took yourself out with with your pink yeah. top, presumably, and and your recording equipment. Look at where that's led you. If we had other women who would follow your lead on this um, the whole effect gets hugely magnified the thing i'm most proud of is the book i mean 1600 copies uh, out there in the whole of scotland i mean the paper paperbacks you know that's a problem for them and loads of people didn't take the injections because they read the book loads of people so i can be very proud of myself for that because it was a risk publishing that when i did Yes. That, that felt really risky. Thought, oh my God, you know. I mean, <laughs> a lawyer hadn't looked over it or anything. And I just thought, I've got to try and get this out there so people. Because the, the, right from the outset, I could see they're just forming a case for getting um, drugs into people. I, that's just seemed what it was all about. And uh, But now on my hardback, I've got a different cover with question marks on it because you know i'm not trying to frighten people now because the people who've taken it have taken it and we're you know and we'd, i don't want to be frightening anyone and you just hope that some you know a lot of them got a placebo yes you know that's what i hope and i, I certainly don't want to be sharing any you know scare stories i just think don't take any more <laughs> don't take any more Did- don't do any testing <laughs> Did you say hardback? Did you say hardback? Yes, it's a lovely hardback. Yeah. And and where is that? The paperback can be bought from me still on on my on the Question Lockdown uh, website. I've got about twenty left, but um, I didn't like the quality of the paperback. 
on Amazon. That's why I went for the hardback. Yes, once it was once there was no more lockdowns, that's when they allowed the books to be back on. Uh -huh. So censorship, temporary censorship, uh -huh. until the drugs are in arms. <laughs> Um, that's how Amazon works. Okay, so just remind listeners of where, where they go for your website then. That's questioninglockdown.com. Okay, right, excellent. I'll, <laughs> ma I'll make sure that's in our notes. As, as... Oh, and, and uh, also on that, which is important, is um, I've got a heading um, COVID dossier. So it's all the evidence that's been sent to Queen Scotland on that. And the last letter back has said... Um, well, they've said it's not a police matter, all this. I mean, there's crimes within crimes. You know, I mean, I've sent evidence of a young man who said he, he wasn't allowed free association, wasn't allowed out his cell, um, but he wasn't allowed free association in, in Perth prison until he took the Jags, until he took them. And he was only there on remand. Hadn't even been found guilty of a crime, and so he took them under coercion. So uh, these are crimes. So there's crimes and crimes and crimes that we've presented, and uh, and the police are saying it's not uh, it's not a police matter. So I wrote back, said, "Who says that? Who did, who made that decision?" And I got two badge numbers. They won't even give their name. Yeah. So anyway, on my website, the COVID dossier heading, and you see all that's been sent, all that's been sent to the police, and you never know. It might be if somebody else knows what to do with it, or you know, because somebody promised, said they we could approach it from a common law point of view. Because the police, this is a complete dereliction of duty that they're refusing to investigate a crime, yes. loads of crimes. Yes. Uh, Maura, next mm -hmm. next question for you. I've asked okay. about other women, but I, I have been saying quite freely for some time that it seems to me there's a lot of men out there who are not standing up to be counted as men. Um. What would you say to the average bloke who's not doing anything at the moment? You're, you're well, a woman. You're gutsy enough to have been out well, protesting yourself. What would you say to the men? Well, I don't think you should be doing this, Brian, trying to create division between men and women. Um, because um, I couldn't do any of it without the support of my husband. Uh, whether it's cooking a meal, buying foods, um, you never complain when a thousand books arrived. <laughs> on a, you know, on a um, pallet, you know, and um, so, and I met, um, well, um, a man gave a terrific speech about uh, the child, the Scottish child sex abuse inquiry. It's been going on. Uh, the millions have spent maybe 83 million but um, what's all happened in that and he gave a wonderful speech and he said he told me on the phone he couldn't do any of it without his wife working yeah and well, helping him so uh, I think I really think we shouldn't be um, I, I, it, it could be just more women had the time to do it you know I don't think but yes I know I, all these bad men who just go and watch football <laughs> Well, I, I'm just going to I'm just going to push back a bit because my intention is not to co uh, cause division, yeah. um, but I don't have any problem in saying uh, there are a lot of blokes out there, a lot of them toughies who are not engaging. They're not engaging to protect their families. They're not engaging to protect their children. And it's not just that they're football fans and going down the pub. It, it's the fact that they're not standing up to be counted as men. 
And I, I'm not shy of saying that it's been apparent to me for a long time. It goes back really to the start even of, of UK Column when it was uh, three ladies of mature years that, that came alongside me to, to help create what we've created. And I, I've, I feel more and more uh, as a man that I look out there and I, where are you other blokes? Where are mm-hmm. you? Now, there are a lot doing things, this is true. But on the other hand, uh, I mean, one of the ladies I interviewed was uh, Kim Isherwood, and she said to me that she's five foot and seven stone. And I'm thinking, <laughs> wow, you've, <laughs> you're the size you are, and you're taking on the whole of the establishment. Where are the big, tough blokes? So it's not about yeah. creating division, but... I think I think as a male, I'm allowed to look out yeah, there and point a finger at some of the big blokes but, and say, yeah, "Where but, are you?" But it is bread and circuses as well, though, isn't it? I mean, this and around here where I live, it's also golf. And so between <laughs> golf and football, they've actually and work, they've actually got no time um, to think about anything else. Yeah, and. Yeah. Um, Yes. Well, it is difficult, but I mean, this has gone on so long now as well. I mean, we're all pretty weary. We're all weary, but that's why I think it's great that we're regrouping. People have got in touch with me now recently. Now I'm a bit freer. Um, And, um, you know, with with new ideas. Oh, and David Tate, he's written a lot of articles on UK Column for you. I'm in touch with him. Had a really good conversation with him on the phone the other night. He's, he's quite funny, and um, anyway, he wanted me. He says this is something. Oh, he, we are concerned about um, this uh, Leslie Roberts. They're making out she's a, a, a whistleblower nurse in Scotland, and there was a sensational article in the paper saying that it could be the biggest homicide investigation taking place in Scotland ever, and. Um, and she's wanted, she's saying that the nurses didn't have adequate PPE, and she, you know, and and then that's a red herring, but, you know. But they say, but no, te- they didn't test people before they left hospital and put them in care homes. But we're because, and I think maybe also backing this Anne's law is saying that they can um, treat. It's terrible. It's basically saying you can still treat um, the elderly in care homes like prisoners, and they in a. Um, pandemic, they can assign one person, one person to go and see them. I mean, it's abhorrent. But this is the, the sort of thing they're sort of fighting for, which is all, you know, it's, it's all terrible. So we're a bit concerned about this, uh, Leslie Roberts, and she's not, he's, David's shown her all this information on um, Twitter and getting nothing back, nothing right. back. So right. she's not acknowledging that nothing, she says, oh, the pandemic was real. She's not acknowledging the medical fraud at the outset. And I'm saying, look, you know, if you're, if you're in touch with the police, um, hand, give them information. Give them that's on my the COVID dossier, you know, blanked, you know, just nothing. So what yep. are you going to get out of, this org- out of this investigation? You know, thicker PPE the next time. Do you know what I mean? It's yes. just like, yeah. We don't, this is absolutely terrible. But he said, um, the one thing he said, not a lot of people know. She's talking about making out they were risking their life, the occupational hazards, you know. Um, working with, you know, when people had COVID-19, the alleged disease, new disease. And he says it's called RIDOR, D-R-I-D-D-O-R, reporting of COVID-19. 
It's Health and Safety Executive. Anyway, somebody got an FOI and it says, you know, it's asking, you know, how many workers died of occupational exposure of coronavirus through either deliberately working with the virus or being incidentally exposed to it, right? And uh, the re response was, I can confirm we have no recorded deaths due to exposure to biological agents between years 2019 to 2022 on the RIDOR database. And, and he says not many people know this, and he thinks it's important when these nurses, when she's claiming that they didn't care about their, you know, that these nurses were exposed to this, you know, great danger. It's just a load of rubbish. Wow. But it's, it's a, but I think, you know, the state wants that, you know, whether she's in on it or not, they want that investigation because it doubles down on everything they've done. Do you see what I mean? Yes, yes. Yeah. Doubles down on everything. So at worst next time, they could add to their torture techniques. They could add, um, you know, you can, you've got to forcibly shove a probe up someone's nose or down their throat before they're allowed to exit ho um, exit hospitals. You know, like so they're like Hotel California. You can yeah. never check in, but you can never leave. <laughs> <laughs> you're doing all this, all this work still. You're producing your videos. Um, you're working still working on the book if i've got that if i've got that right and no, you're not no, i'm not working on the book i'm just um just working with other people and and when i if i can help them in their um you know what they want to do as well because i've got design skills to make things look professional right and so you've been producing material that other people can use well we've got postcards you know about john halley's book and uh, people are handing those out to folk outside the courts um, because we have we have to. I, I think we have to we have to bring down the courts. You know, it has to be. You know, it has to be restructured, or there's no future for anybody. There is no future for anybody yeah. if we've got all these conflicts of interest. Do you still get time to work normally? I use that word carefully. Well, I'm just trying to. I was trying to get my life in a bit of order and then maybe apply for jobs again. Now I know I don't have a criminal, you know, I don't have a couple of reckless um, charge <laughs> outstanding. <laughs> so yeah. I'm just, I've just found that out really, you know, which is quite, um, well, obviously it's good news. Yeah. But I was, you know, never going to be told. So, um, and I'd like to go to America next year, next spring. Right. Uh -huh. and at one stage, you were doing architectural work. Are you still look, looking for that sort of work? Or no, you, I mean, that, that was my first degree. But then I, I went, I did a master's in computer programming. But, the, Brian, if you're out for a year even, you know, you can't get back into these things. The, the pace that they move at is so fast. Right. Um, but I don't need to work full time. I just, you know, I want, you know, part time. Okay. Um, or I could write another murder mystery, but I'm finding it, like everyone, I find it very, very no, hard to you, do, you, do, you don't need to write a murder mystery. We're living it. Exactly. <laughs> we're living it. Look, we're, I we are, I think we're just coming up to time for this uh, chat. It's been really wonderful. Uh, I, I wanted to end on a positive thing. When you sent me the little video clip of you singing and your husband was there playing the guitar. I noticed on the wall in the background you had a violin and I asked you about this. And you said to me that if I got this right, you play the piano, the cello, and you're trying to teach yourself the violin. That sounds mm -hmm. like a lot to keep yourself busy. 
Yes, um, but I, I need to focus and I find that difficult because I feel um, there's no future unless something flips in our favour. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that. So do you, do you get... The prison that they're creating for us. I mean, um, so I find it hard to... I mean, I would be doing different things. If the government would stop terrorising us, I would be working on different things, obviously. Yeah, but I mean, do you do you still get some? Um, what what's the word? Can you escape from all of this going on by playing music? Yes. Well, I think that yeah, that's that's important, and I try and force myself to go for a walk. You know, if the sun's out, I'm lucky. I live near the sea, so just hearing the waves crashing. I've tried to grow vegetables. Yeah. So varying success with that and lucky to have a garden so I, I feel I've gone back to trying to go back to my roots yeah they would lost our way all, we all had and the pe- sensible people know now what's important in life and other people have not learned any lessons yeah, yeah fam- family and friends and proper family relations and, with and people. growing food yeah Wow. Organic vegetables. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. What a good place right. to end on music and and walks by the sea and organic vegetables, uh-huh. thinking of family and friends. That must be a good p- place to end on. Maura, I'm going to say thank you very much for talking to me. I am sure that people who haven't come across you before are going to be absolutely fascinated by all the yep. things that you've done. Whether you like it or not, you're gutsy, that's for sure. Thanks, Brian. And um, yeah, I'd like, um, I hope I haven't depressed people um, too much. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think we're all struggling to um, to find optimism. Um, we just have to keep going and tell them the truth. And hopefully something will flip in our favour soon. Yeah, brilliant. Mm-hmm. OK, right. Maura, th- thank you very much for that. Thank you for joining me. Uh, thanks, Brian. Bye bye.